Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 12. I'm Stephanie Rose, Sunlight's Community Manager, and on today's podcast, Judy, Tender, and Jen join me to talk in-depth about adjusting sunlight to fit your schedule. Think of homeschooling and you might picture studious children sitting around the dining room table, all their heads bowed over workbooks and concentration. Or you might imagine day-long field trips to the planetarium or living history museums. Then, when you think about homeschooling your children, those pictures evaporate and you immediately find yourself thinking, I could never homeschool because I'm a single parent. My spouse and I both work full-time jobs. I'm a single parent and I work full-time. Grandma lives with us, and caring for her her is my full-time job. My husband works the night shift and has to sleep all day. Our baby is colicky and still isn't sleeping through the night or taking regular naps. Whatever your reason that you can't imagine homeschooling, no, you're not alone. We all know life happens. This panel of veteran homeschoolers is ready to discuss practical ways to adjust sunlight to fit your life. Some of them have faced these and other issues that require them to find creative ways to homeschool in spite of life's challenges. Keeping up with life when things are normal is challenging enough. You won't want to miss the sound advice that these ladies have to offer. Join me as we turn the page on this topic. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adjusting Sunlight to Fit Your Life. When you think about homeschooling, you might think this perfect picture of everyone joining around the table and being super engaged and learning every day. And then you think about homeschooling your own children and that picture might fly out the window. But what we have learned, what what we wanna talk about today is what can get in the way, how you can adjust everything to fit your schedule and how you can be really flexible because that is where you know, the basis of homeschooling, I think at its core, being a flexible um, educator. So let's get started. I am joined today by Judy, Tinder, and Jen. They are here with me. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Stephanie Rose. I am Sunlight's community manager. And so let's get started. Judy, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your homeschooling experience? Thanks, Stephanie. I am a homeschooling mom of three kids who are all grown and gone now, used sunlight all the way through our homeschool. Um, And now I have grandchildren who are coming um, to school age. So it will be exciting to see if we have any second generation sunlighters in our family. Um, I also have the privilege of working full time for sunlight. I'm the marketing sales coordinator. And if any of you have visited any homeschool conventions, maybe not so much this year, but in the past and hopefully next year, um, you may have seen me or one of these other lovely ladies there um, because we are passionate about sharing sunlight with families. Very good. Tender. Welcome. Thank you so much. I have been homeschooling for about 12 years now. I have four children. My oldest is 17, and they all kind of stair-step 17, 15, 13, and will be 11 this summer. So I have two boys and two girls, and I have really enjoyed using sunlight. We've used it from the pre-K, and then this next year, uh, my oldest will be a senior and then be off to college after that. So I'm about to release one from the nest. Um, so that's just where I am. Very good. 
and Jen. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm Jen, and I have been using Sunlight for about 18 years with all four of my kids. Um, two of them are graduated from high school, and um, right now I have one actually in public high school and one still at home using Sunlight. And I have also worked in the booth for quite a number of years, so you may have seen me there. Yeah. We appreciate you guys out in the world at conventions sharing all about Sunlight and we also appreciate you being here today to talk a little bit about your personal experiences. So let's talk about some of common life situations that might make homeschooling a challenge. Um, one being single parent. If you're a single parent and you're trying to homeschool, how do you approach that challenge? Jen, why don't you take this one? So I was um, a single parent for, um, let's see, six years, uh, used sunlight the whole way through. Um, part of that time I was working, part of that time I was not. All of that time I had four kids at home. Um, one of those years I was actually using sunlight with all four of them because my littlest one had finally reached school age. Um, it... It involves some juggling, but it's the same as any other family situation. If you find a routine and you know what your priorities are, then you do the important things first and you do the secondary things when you can. And so um, this is where my favorite ice that I got from a, a previous homeschooler comes in, which is that we, we pick a academic priority for each kid each year. If, if we know that this year we really have to focus on writing, then we focus on writing. And that is an everyday activity and it is first and nothing ever gets in the way. And if we do science twice this week, then we really focused on writing. So, you know, that you can't do it all at once. At least I can't, I can't do it all, all the time. But if you take the long view of what needs to happen, you really can make it work. Absolutely. Thank you. I think um, leaning on your, you know, people around you would be key for that. Sure. Mm -hmm. I found that in a lot of homeschool situations. All you need is a good art teacher and somebody willing to cut up frogs and, you know, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> So the next one we hear a lot is working parents. How do you sort of overcome, uh, you know, being a working parent and homeschooling? Okay. I think a lot of times is like Jen said, is finding that schedule that's going to work for you. And I know that in my, at my house and when I have worked in the afternoons and I have uh, do some computer work on the side, but I also have given private lessons, uh, piano lessons in my home. My priority then was, you know, start things off in the morning and I turn my ringer off and I set my phone aside and I, uh, school is very important. So I give it my undivided attention in the morning. And so I would let calls go to voicemail and I will answer them in the afternoon as I have time and I'm working on other things, but school, those few hours in the morning, I'm really getting um, 
all of the school done that they need my attention. We're doing our read alouds. We're sitting on the couch and doing our core together. And then if they need the individual instruction in math um, or writing and language arts, I would give them some instruction. But then if they have things lingering after lunch, that would hopefully be things that they could work on their own. And I could just review in the evening and make sure that they completed or grade their math. Um, so I tried to work where we would be pretty much done by lunch. And then that let me work in the afternoon for a few hours. I could be, um, sometimes that would allow for, you know, some of my work, if it's at the computer, I can be interrupted at times and they can come ask me a question if they're doing their own work. Um, but then other times we have set boundaries and they know that, oh, mom is teaching a lesson. I can't answer ask a question right now. So I will have to hold all questions until mom is done. So um, I have been able to make it work doing things like that. And when I had real young children, I did, a, I did some work like at evening bedtime. I really liked having an early bedtime so that I could then maybe work some in the evening because I had that flexibility with my work schedule. That's a very good point that you make. And the other thing that we often say is, school doesn't take as long as it does in traditional school. Judy, maybe you can Correct. talk a little bit about how that changes over the years. That's a, that's a very good point. And I was um, very much like tender. Um, I tried to, especially when my kids were young, make sure that the schoolwork was done by lunchtime um, because homeschooling is really a tutorial type of, of education. You're a one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two or one-on-three. When you think about a, a classroom situation, there is a single teacher who has to maintain order and give direction and provide assistance to maybe 10, 15, 20 kids. And so that takes a lot more time than it does um, if you are just working with students one-on-one. -on -one. And so homeschooling in a lot of ways is very efficient. And then as your kids get older, one of your goals and one of our written goals was independence by the time my kids um, graduated from our homeschool. So I started in, in junior high saying, here you go, here's your schedule for this week, or here's, um, I want you to get this much done by this day. And so you start building into them that ability to work independently and manage their own time. And certainly by high school, um, I had discussions with my kids, conversations with my high schoolers, but each of them had a job. So they worked some of the time. And so they, um, maybe they were doing their school at, at odd hours. Um, some of them like to work late at night. Some of them like to get up in the morning before I did. And so it all, it all just kind of flows. And as these other ladies have said, it will not be the same from year to year. And so you have to be willing to say whatever works this year, or maybe even this month right. um, is the way we've got to go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I also think that another thing we hear or might happen in your life is living with extended family. Um, sometimes your living situations change, either they're living with you or you're living with them, and that can add an extra challenge there. Yeah. Yeah, for about uh, 13 years of our homeschooling, um, my parents lived with us. 
And so it's like under the same roof. Um, so we had to find ways to make that work as well. And so um, you can certainly have conversations with grandparents and say, you know, let us, um, let us work on this as a team. So let me explain to you what some of our goals are for homeschooling and, and here's how you can help if you're willing. And then you need to be willing to integrate grandma and grandpa into some of that schooling. My kids learned some very valuable lessons working with their granddad or baking in the kitchen or canning with grandma. And those experiences um, can't be reproduced in any other way. And so well, it was challenging in some ways, and sometimes we had to regroup and um, have conversation. I think the, the biggest thing that helped the most was open communication and a willingness to keep talking and realizing that we were in this together. Yes, I think um, I have had my in-laws um, at times living with us as well because they needed some additional care. And thankfully, homeschooling allowed us the ability, since I was home, um, I was able to provide that care that they needed and making sure that we took medications on time. And so that fostering that sense of teamwork really does work a long way and that, you know, we were helping them make sure that we stayed up with certain things, medications, or if I helped them with doctor's appointments. Um, but then where they could is they would help um, if I had early readers that were still needing to read their books out loud. And so that is a delightful activity that grandma enjoyed doing with her younger grandkids was to listen to them read. Um, and so there were some of those tasks that I could easily ask, and, you know, we're, we need to play this math game or we need to do this puzzle. And grandma and grandpa were very willing um, and wanted to be involved like that. And, um, you know, and at other times they were, maybe weren't feeling very well and they would just be in the house and then we would be in a set, uh, you know, in the dining room working on our school. Um, but being able to uh, do that teamwork and allow them to be involved and help. And I'm very grateful for that time that my kids, you know, those are Time is one of the most important things that we have to give to our children and to each other and our family members. And so we um, were able to foster some real special memories for my kids with their grandparents. And, um, and so I am very grateful for that and that homeschooling allowed us that uh, ability to do that. And what a benefit to teaching children the value of the experience that older people have to offer and to teaching them respect for that generation. Um, that carries over into their personality and their character as adults. So, boy, if you have the opportunity to do that, don't shy away from it. That's great. Um, let's talk a little bit about finding the balance and between life responsibilities and homeschooling, maybe as it relates to the situations we've listed above. Um, and maybe we can include in this question a little bit about how you run your household and get all the chores done and all that stuff as well. Well, one of the things that I did, um, Unlike some of my homeschooling friends who have several children that are very close in age, 
um, mine are sort of spread out. And so one of the things that I did when my oldest was young was I let her help and taught her to help. And that turned into she knew how to fold laundry and wanted to be able to run the washing machine. Well, and then once the older one can run the washing machine, the second one is like, I want to do it. <laughs> and, you know, so now like my youngest one that's at home is 11 and he does his own laundry because I taught some other kid, you know, 20 years ago. And, um, but that takes a lot of weight off me when everybody or several people in the house are capable of doing some of the necessary jobs because I can be sitting down with one kid who needs, like Tender said, my full attention and just say to the one walking by, hey, go flip that laundry. Can you go unload the dishwasher? Can you please sweep the floor so that I can mop it? Whatever. And the more hands you have on deck, the easier those jobs become. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of letting the little ones learn to do things, even if they're going to do it wrong for a while or not do a great job for a while. Um, it is well worth it when you end up with even those middle school kids who could uh, you know, run the house, basically. I always say if I broke both my legs, my kids could totally handle it. Mm -hmm. They can. That's a good thing. I think it does take a little effort on the front, like Jen said, on that willingness that, you know, the first couple of times it's not going to be exact. And I guess maybe I have a little bit of a perfectionist type of like, <laughs> no, just let me do it. And I've really had to work on, you know what, if they fold the towels and it's not in thirds, it is okay. You know, if when you... I'm sorry if, if that's too much information, but you know, or if the towels, when they put in the towels in the bathroom and they're not just perfectly stacked, just real neatly, that that's okay. I mean, I, if there's anybody listening, that's like me, you know, just know that it's okay if it's messy or it's not just totally straight. So you that, shouldn't refold them all. <laughs> yeah. You should just <laughs> shut the door and walk away. <laughs> They are clean, shut the door and walk away. Well, because yeah. what you don't realize when you're like freaking out because they did it wrong is that secretly over the long term, they're turning into you. They will be the one who in five years is yelling at the little brother for not folding the towels in third <laughs> the way they're supposed to be. So it's going to be okay. I That's promise. right. That's right. And what valuable skills we're teaching our kids, though. One of my goals was to make sure that when my kids left my house, they could do their own laundry and they could cook their own meals. And I'm here to tell you that their spouses today are so very thankful for that, that we took that time all those years ago because it really matters now. Absolutely. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the, you know, what you can give kids at certain ages. So a lot of times chores, you know, people don't know when exactly to give those out. Any ideas there? Well, I uh, you, started. Yeah, go ahead, Judy. I started having my kids cook when they were tall enough to reach the dials on the stove or do laundry when they were tall enough to reach um, the dials on the washing machine or the dryer. Um, and then I just started by letting them stand next to me and um, do those chores right along with me. So 
that meant that my five-year-old on a little stool next to mom in front of the kitchen sink um, helped me wash some dishes um, or next to me in front of the dishwasher. We learned about being careful with glass and um, how to load the dishwasher and how to unload it and put things away. And so I think really that your kids can learn to do just about anything by the time they're of the age that they have some eye-hand coordination and they can follow simple instructions. I mean, even my toddlers uh, learned about colors and matching and sorting by um, folding clean laundry. Yeah. So I don't think there's a, a specific age for a lot of those chores. It's just when they're capable. And I think that starting them really young, like when they're toddlers and preschoolers, they are so willing to be right next to you and into whatever you're doing that, like Judy says, having a match socks or, you know, fold a little washcloth, um, starting them like that really and fostering that, oh, I so appreciate you helping me. And um, I would say that as when you're and you have, you know, elementary kids and you'd say, you know what, I couldn't do this without you. You make this so much easier. And you're giving words of encouragement like that, that that really um, goes a long way, you know, and in anything, you know, if you have a good attitude and you're fostering a good attitude when we're, you know, we're doing this together um, just like we're learning together or we're cooking together or we're folding laundry and you're being able to offer those words of encouragement that that goes a long way more than having to use harsh words or harsh tones and say, hey, I expect you to do this like right now. Um, and someone gave me advice that I have really enjoyed using is like I have some boys and I even compliment my girls, but if they're taking out the trash, wow. You have strong muscles there. Thank you so much for putting your strong muscles to work here. And um, so I just, you know, where you can, you know, they're bringing in the groceries for you. That's one of my, um, and helping put away the groceries. Wow, thank you so much for helping me um, use, you know, carry in all that. I would be so whipped if I didn't have all this good help to help me bring in the groceries and put them away. So um, I like to, you know, be sincere, but I mean, I like to make sure I'm complimenting and that really goes far to help motivate them on, ooh, mom likes it when we're helping. And, and, um, and now, you know, there are times that if I'm not even around or that I've been gone on a doctor's appointment with my in-laws, I can leave, you know, a 14 year old in the kitchen and say, hey, can you have this prepped for dinner? so that we can do this. Um, and uh, my goal is, is I would like to do what Judy has done is by the time they leave the house, they, you know, they're not going to go hungry. They know how to cook some meals and they know how to do their laundry. Yep. I think, first of all, you touched on my two very uh, pain points, the towels and the dishwasher. I <laughs> I hold the towels. Everything else I don't care about. For some reason, those two things. But also, we talk a lot about life skills. So these really do play into developing those life skills. Uh, you know, homeschool isn't just about um, learning math. It's yeah. also about getting your children, preparing your children for life after they're out of your house. And these things really do help. 
And when I was in high school, that was called home economics. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm giving my children that same education. And like you said, that is just as much a part of learning as the, the table subjects and the science and the math. It absolutely is. Well, and that's one of the perks of homeschooling for me is that if my children were at school all day, it's not that they wouldn't be capable of doing those home economics kinds of chores, but they're not here. I can't wait for the end of the day to make all of those things happen with the laundry and the dishwasher and all of the chores. And so when we are all together for the whole day, they have an opportunity to see everything that goes into running a home and keeping a family and they're here for it. And so they get to help. And of course, the more you teach them to do, the more capable they are of all the other things. Yeah, great. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about school breaks. I think um, when you're homeschooling and also dealing with some challenges or adjusting sunlight or any homeschool really to fit your schedule, um, sometimes people are a little confused about, you know, can I take a break? Do, you know, if my kids, if the public school is going on, do my kids have to be doing work as well? So let's talk a little bit about um, the schedule and how many weeks of homeschooling you might do and how breaks look. I like to go ahead and start, and sometimes um, pretty close in the beginning of August, I have in the previous, because by, I live in the South. And it is so hot by the time um, August rolls around that we might as well be doing school. And, you know, again, because you homeschool and you don't have all the distractions that usually if you are hit things right off in the morning, um, especially for elementary kids, you can have them well done by lunch. And so then that still leaves your afternoons to do some fun summer activities and so on. But I like to kind of start and sometimes I ease into like maybe just starting with um, our level, our HBL doing history, Bible literature and start working on our getting people used to, you know, if we've gotten it started some bad habits of staying up late. We're going to start going to bed earlier and, you know, even though the sun's still out or, you know, as um, and kind of changing our bedtime routine so that we can be up earlier in the morning and working on early morning schedules and sitting around and after breakfast, we'll do our um, read alouds and our Bible time and our history together. And then we kind of like ease into our school year that way. And um and then sometimes I have done just traditional where I do, you know, take a few weeks off at Christmas or a week off at Thanksgiving, but homeschooling that ability you have, you can take off, you know, longer than two weeks at Christmas or, you know, if you're planning, we have done trips at, um, between Christmas and New Year's and maybe gone more into New Year's and taken an extended break and then come back and do um, the next part of our schoolwork. So I have still tended to do occasionally a traditional, you know, where you do a, you get about 18 weeks somewhere close before Christmas, and then you take a couple of weeks and then you do the following 18 weeks. Um, but it is very flexible on that you could, you know, take, 
do it more quarterly and do uh, take some breaks, longer breaks, two week breaks in, in the fall and, and so on and kind of spread it out because really, I mean, routine is good. Even, I, even in the summertime when we have may, maybe no school, there's still school going on or we have a morning routine that includes some reading. And I like to do math skills in the summer because for my, some of my younger ones, I just, I need to stay on some of that. Otherwise we go backwards. So there is part that you can, you know, spread out 36 weeks from August, you know, to July and take some strategic breaks in there to give yourself a break and your kids and y'all can, and, and school's not a drudgery. I mean, my kids usually aren't grumbling and complaining. They like breaks, don't get me wrong. But, you know, they, they enjoy the reading and stuff, too, that I, I say, hey, we're going to get on this next part and go this long. Um, they, they are on board with that. Tender talked about strategic breaks. I always, when new homeschoolers ask me, I always give people permission to take non-strategic breaks. Mom needs surgery. Dad needs surgery. There was a car accident. Grandma is moving in. Grandpa had surgery. Uh, we need to go travel on very short notice. Someone is sick. Someone had a baby. We are moving. We had a flood. Whatever it is that you did not plan on, even though Monday is a school day, you should feel free to do whatever you need to do. It, Amen. It will still be there. Um, the same way that school districts take, um, I mean, we get days off if there's going to be a hurricane, nobody planned on, or a snow day, nobody planned on. Um, in my house, we're much more likely to take a Sunday, which is like that first gorgeous warm spring day, nobody wants to work. And so when all the other people have to go to work anyway, we go to the beach. But, um, but I mean, snow days, we work. And um, very often in the like the yuckiest part of winter, we will work on a weekend day just because if we're not really doing anything else, I have always told my kids, a Saturday in February is the same as a weekday in June. Like the sooner we are done, the sooner we are done. So while we have the time, we might as well because you don't always know what the next month is gonna bring. So, but those, those unscheduled breaks that just need to happen, that's okay. It happens to everybody. Um, if it's not every year, it happens to everybody eventually. And um, we just work around it. And with sunlight, my favorite part is that if all of a sudden we have three doctor's appointments a week, I can pack an hour's worth of work or reading in a bag with my little binder with, you know, a few weeks of IG in it and go to the doctor's office. And if we have to wait an hour in a quiet room, we have things to do. So, you know, breaks are okay. And I think what people tend to forget is, especially when you're homeschooling, those breaks, that doesn't mean that learning stops happening. We're just learning different things. So if dad needs surgery, then maybe we're all learning what it looks like to take over the things that he's normally responsible for. And if if we had a, a major snowstorm here in the Northeast, well then we got a lot of PE in on that day because we're all outside shoveling. Um, so I think more than anything, those breaks that homeschooling gives us the flexibility to take also builds a sense of teamwork within our families because we're all in this together. 
And so while we may not be doing math, we are learning other just as valuable skills. And sometimes it's surprising. We had a um, we have a child with a medical condition, and while it's not very serious, we know a lot more about hematology than I ever wrote into our curriculum plan. And I have a couple of kids who can read um, blood test results as well as the hematologist because we go over them and my little homeschoolers feel free to ask every question they can think of. Um, and so learning doesn't stop. And sometimes it's not what we planned on, but um, I tell you, once you know a lot of hematology, going back to regular like middle school biology is a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. You know, Jen mentioned um, our instructor's guide, and I have pulled a page out of, this is a kindergarten level, so it is a lower level. But I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about the instructor's guide and how um, adjusting, it's flexible yet structured, um, and it really does help with facilitating school um, and fitting into your life. And the other thing that you all mentioned that I just want to really um, touch on again is, you know, we kind of talked about it. It's not an eight to five. It's not a Monday through Friday. Um, if someone is sick on a Wednesday and there is rain on a Sunday after, you know, you spend your family time, you could probably fit in your school that you missed on Wednesday. So um, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that and then talk a little bit about this. So how does this help you really structure um, your day and be uh, adjust homeschooling and sunlight specifically to your life? Well, I think if you hold that up, you can see that um, each um, subject is listed there, each day of the week is listed there. And by the way, the days are numbered. They don't say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They say day one, day five, day 25, because sometimes day 25 ends up not being Monday. Sometimes it ends up being Wednesday. And so uh, to me, that it was a very little thing, but for my OCD personality, that was wonderful to not miss a day and have it be like Monday and now it's Tuesday. You know, what am I gonna do? Um, but the other benefit of that, one of the flexible things that you can do with that schedule is if we get in, started into a book that we're just so enamored with and we don't want to put it down, then we work vertically or horizontally across that schedule. And we may read all the chapters assigned for that week in one day. And maybe we skip another thing that's listed and do that the next day. Yeah. Whereas the other way you can use it is vertically day by day. And you do a little bit of this assignment and a little bit of this and a little bit of this. But the flexibility that that schedule offers is, is really very nice. I really enjoyed on some of these younger ones, the kindergarten and um, then uh, level A, and I would take um, some of those read aloud books and uh, dad was real interested in reading some stories too. And so I kind of pulled that out of, I wasn't doing it in the morning with my routine with the younger kids. So the read aloud, like, you know, Kay has some great ones um, like Charlotte's Web or Dr. Doolittle. And that became our bedtime storybook. So that was our unwind, you know, as we uh, 30 minute, we have everybody ready for bed. 
we just sat in the living room and dad read to us. And those are really precious and sweet memories. So you can be, think out of the box and do things like that and pull, you know, and he doesn't have to commit for the whole 36 weeks to do, you know, but maybe you have, um, you know, your fall or your, you know, winter, there's not so much going on and you can make that um, pretty regular. It doesn't even have to happen every day because normally if dad's reading and dad's doing the different voices, the kids don't want daddy to stop. So you just, you know, and you can mark off with pencil, you know, and you know, if you, where you are in the schedule. So that's another way to kind of do things horizontally versus vertically, like Judy was saying. And so I really enjoyed, um, Rob was real happy to do that with me. And I was very happy to say, Ooh, let's read this book together as a family. And so we just transitioned that that was something we did as their bedtime routine. And that helps them unwind and get ready to go to bed. You can also integrate your learning into your day-to-day -day activities. When my kids were little and they were learning how to read, I just used index cards and I would write words on them like couch and I'd lay it on the couch and chair and I'd lay it on the chair and table and I'd lay it on the table. Um, when we were doing math and learning fractions, I had one child who struggled with learning fractions and I said, let's go make some cookies. Wow, we're going to make cookies? We don't have to do math. We're going to make cookies. What they didn't realize was they were doing math because they were learning what fractions were um, without even knowing it. And so there's so much of learning that you can integrate in. So when your schedule or the things that come up don't allow you to sit down and do that math lesson about fractions, you might still be able to teach those fractions concepts by working together in the kitchen. The other thing is I wanted to just point out that these also have talking points. So they have map points where you can talk specifically about geography and talking points. You can follow this or you can make up your own. Um, I've heard people talk about, you know, just bringing up a book in the car when you're driving to the doctor's appointment um, and having those discussions with your children based on just what you remember reading the previous day. Yes, and we've taken some books on vacation before. We have road, we do, we visit family states away and we have long road trips. And so I will, I, thankfully I don't get car sick because I guess if you get car sick, you cannot do this, but you could uh, listen to a book on audio. You could find one of the read alouds, usually that's an audio version and you could listen to it. But I will bring a book um, on a road trip and read to them and we can talk about it. And so I utilize time like that. And usually they're very happy to listen um, to a book or a story being read to. So that's one thing that I've done is take it on the road with me and we read with everybody in the car. Dad's driving and, and we're all listening to a good book. The other thing about this that I didn't mention was if you live in a state where you have to track what is, um, what you're doing, this is a great way. This is, this is your tracking. This is what you did, right? Yep. Do any of you live in a state where you had to track and how did that work for you? Uh, yes. I did. I homeschooled in Pennsylvania for several years. And um, so I had to provide uh, proof of instruction 
And that IG was my proof of instruction that I, you know, had every day checked off that we accomplished. I went so far as to put little X's on the things we skipped. Um, and it was very easy. I didn't rewrite it. I didn't, I mean, I photocopied uh, however much of it uh, I needed to use for my um, evaluator. And that was absolutely useful. The book list, because I think we also had to provide a book list. And so um, I would either just photocopy the book list that comes with the IG or, um, you know, I would also request that my kids just make a list of all the books they had read, school books and pleasure books. Um, and after one page, I was like, that's good enough. But, you know, some, on one of my kids, I was like three weeks. Um, but yeah, that IG is just fantastic. I loved the mapping because I could always prove that we did geography because there's a zillion maps. Um, the vocabulary that's in there in the, in the separate book sections, um, all of that stuff is, is invaluable in a state where you have to uh, record and prove that instruction has happened. I think one of the most valuable things, Steph, is to, and I remember someone telling me this when I um, first started homeschooling, that homeschooling becomes a lifestyle of learning. Mm -hmm. It's not just um, eight to five, like you mentioned. It's not just the time that you sit at the kitchen table and do math. You actually begin to realize that there are teachable moments all day long. Yeah. And so even if you do have a year where you have a baby or you have to move and you think, I mean, so many families I've talked to who have said, I'm so struggling this year, we're so far behind. And I'll look at them and say, what does behind mean? What do you mean? You haven't checked off a certain number of boxes in your instructor's guide. And then we talk about the fact that learning happens all the time. If you just make yourself conscious of it and take those teachable moments. And so even those years when dad has surgery or or you have to move, or maybe you're in the military, and um, that means a lot of moving around, or dad or mom is deployed, or whatever. There is learning that still goes on, and so don't ever say to yourself, I failed because I didn't check all the boxes. Mm -hmm. Agree. It is very flexible, so you can take books yeah. out, you can skip right over something, and like Jen mentioned, she just exited out if she didn't do it. Yep. And then yeah. when someone came up and asked her what she did, she was like, I did this, but this But is not that one. We didn't do that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think this has been a great discussion. I think the biggest thing I've learned is that it's not an eight to five or, you know, eight to three thirty or whatever it is sort of day. Um, and a lot of individualized, um, attention can happen in a very short time. So that has been very helpful. I appreciate you guys so much for joining me and answering all these questions of how to adjust to fit homeschooling and sunlight into your life. And I hope this has been beneficial for you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thank Steph. You.